Hey internet, I'm Simon Squibb, your host at the Good Luck Club podcast. Our mission is to help anybody out there that's thinking of starting a business do just that. Equally, if you've started a business and are struggling, maybe you need a little bit of inspiration and knowledge. And we hope by interviewing some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and change makers that you'll get the knowledge you need to become the person you want and turn your business into that dream company. I personally have started 17 companies from scratch and have invested in over 65 startups. I left school at 15 with near zero education and was able to retire at 40. When I sat down and analyzed how I did it, I discovered a secret. It was all luck. So in each episode, I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, no matter what you're building, shipping or thinking, without luck, it ain't gonna work. Each week, I will discuss with my guests this theory and test it and see if luck is a skill as I feel it is and if it's possible to pass it on to the next generation of entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy our episode this week. My guest today is Rachel Flanagan, the founder of Miss Bouquet Cleaning Services, one of the UK's most successful cleaning companies. She was just 18 years old when she started the business and many people at the time told her she didn't have the aptitude for business and they were wrong. Within four years, Rachel won the Great British Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award and soon turned her small idea into a huge successful business. 15 years later, she's going to share her story with us. She'll tell us about how she started this business with no money and how she's determined to ensure that everyone out there respects their cleaner. Rachel, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. So I always like to start the podcast off by asking this simple question. What does success mean to you? Gosh. Um, so success means for me to have the freedom and choice to do what I want, when I want, and with who I want. Have you always done that? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, yeah. No, definitely not. Work it's work in progress. Hmm. It's quite hard, isn't it? To um, you can have the freedom, but for example, working with who you want all the time is sometimes tricky. You don't know who you don't want to work with until you're already working with them. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, and I think it's also like who you want to spend, you know, your time with as well. Mm. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be in work, family, it could be friends, like that covering all of that for me so mm. yeah that's that's what I'm you know striving for I suppose mm. so how did you get started tell our audience your story right okay um so I'm I'm 33 on Friday <laughs> happy I birthday for Friday to, thank you it's going to be an interesting one um so I started my business when I was 18. I was basically in college, typical 18-year-old, didn't have a blinking clear what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be when I grew up. 
um, and was kind of, you know, um, you know, back then it was more of go to university or go and get a job. Um, there was there was no other options really. And a guy who ran a production company came in. Uh, I was doing a business class and he came in and he told us his story about how he started up his company. And I just thought like it was really cool um, and amazing to do something for yourself. Um, so I suppose he inspired me really, which, um, you know, is, is key. And that's how I suppose got an idea to start up a cleaning business. But that was then um, within that, that same week, I was going back to my mum, my parents, where I was obviously living at the time. And my mum's cleaner had um, left early and I could start to see how, um, you know, not having a good cleaning standard was affecting my mum. And I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea to set up a cleaning business, basically? There must be loads of other families out there that are struggling and, you know, um, looking after children, work. And that's where I got the idea then to start uh, Mission Sukhaya. So 15 years ago. Yeah, 15, I know. Wow. And in those 15 years... Do you want to go back and lynch the person that inspired you or thank them? Um, oh, well, absolutely thank them. I mean, it's something now that I do, you know, I'm quite passionate about, you know, working with entrepreneurs and how to instill that into, you know, the younger generation. Because for me, part of my story is I had, I suppose, little stories along the way. I had a shop when I was um, in first year comprehensive school. I kicked my dad out of his office um, and got myself a little shop as well and used to take me to Macro, which was the wholesaler to go and buy sweets. And I'd have a real till. And it, and then I used to swim as well. Um, so I think, you know, having coaching and when you're, when you're training for a sport that also instills into it. And then obviously going to university and um, going to um, college and see um, listening to that guy speak. Um, it was a few of those little seeds that then got planted into me, I suppose, having the balls basically to go and do something different because it was very different at the time to go and do that compared to my friends. Did um, did you drop out of college? No, I didn't. I um, did. I did do college, but it was yeah, it was quite interesting because I actually was so so excited to write about this cleaning company that I was going to do that I actually wrote it in my business exam because it was a two hour paper, so I just couldn't stop writing. Um, so to this day, I haven't picked up the qualification certificates, whatever they are. Um, and I did manage to have an unclassified in that paper. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of my journey. So in your um, exam, you, you end up writing about the business you now own and run, right? Yeah, yeah. And how close to your business school training is the reality of the business? Oh, God. So, yeah, 
like very, very, very different. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I literally just learned it on the job um, for quite a long time. And then I started to get a little bit more smarter in actually there must be other people that are ahead of me and, you know, can mentor me and coach me and, and started then look at, you know, how can I hang around with like-minded people who I wanted to learn from and that was a big um that was a big, big fast track then for me to, to I suppose develop because I was 18 I had no idea how to employ staff do my books I didn't have no money I couldn't get any money either because obviously I was just living at home so to be honest with you I literally had to spend like every 20 pound and make decisions on right what am I going to spend this on what do I need to invest in my business next do I need flyers do I need this do I need that um and really you know it's been good for me I think to have that conditioning but then in times of potentially growth times I've maybe been a bit nervous as well in, in going for it as well I know you've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Do you do you see yourself encouraging them to be entrepreneurs, or would you would you encourage them to go and do a business course at university? Um, um, for me, it's do what you're genuinely passionate about. Um, I've always, when I was younger, you know, I had all different types of jobs. That was, I loved working. I loved and hanging around, helping customers out. I'd, you know, be doing pot washing on the weekend, silver service, working. I worked in, you know, Little Chef as well. And oh, Little Chef. For anyone in America, yeah. a lot of my listeners are from America, by the way, so they won't know the Little Chef, but but the Little Chef <laughs> is, was an icon, you know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, work for me really actually give me the inspiration to want to work, but work on my own terms. Um, so I think, you know, from my for my children, I, I wouldn't stop them in doing anything. All I would say is that they just need to be passionate about it. And if they don't know, then you can always find a way as well. You know, and I think if we encourage children where they're really, really good at, you know, because I suppose sometimes I think, right, if I had just done business or if I'd just done even more work when I was younger, um, actually, can you fast track that way as well by doing more hands-on um, experience, which I know they do a lot more of now. But, yeah, I was definitely more entrepreneurial as a child. So I don't know what will happen with my children as long as they're happy, I think. And being self-aware is really important. Um, you know, in it all. Yeah, being happy is a funny terminology anyway, isn't it? Because I think as an entrepreneur, it's not like every day we're not happy. You know, there's no there's no such thing as permanent happiness. We have days where we're happy and the days that we're not, just like anybody else, right? It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a funny thing, happy, isn't it? But do, do you find, um, do you, do, oh, education-wise, do you, do you think it was your education was useful to you or do you think you just wish you'd started earlier, like, as you said, with a mentor and, and doing the actual work? Um, I think, I think the work I learned the most, actually working, engaging with customers, engaging with staff, working with people, 
you know, working in teams and then also because I used to have sporting background, you learn a lot in that as well. You have a lot of competitive drive. Um, so I wouldn't say necessarily for me personally, I learned a lot, but then also I didn't really take the right subject um, because I was confused with what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, but I suppose when you just fall into something then that you love, then you just are really passionate then about just learning about that subject. And that's what I did. Do you find that you loved the business or you loved the journey of being an entrepreneur? Um, I just love every single day is different. You're building something. That's what I love. You're building something that, you know, hopefully is going to be, you know, a legacy. You're going to be remembered for it. I mean, in these times now, I really think leaders will be remembered for how they've dealt with this situation that we're in. And these are the times where leaders have to get really deep and and actually just get absolutely stuck in um, because you can't plan. But I also think if you do this in the right way, then that's what your teams will remember is getting out of this crisis as well. So True. I, I admire you for many reasons, I, and I, when, the reason I wanted you on the podcast, I read your story, and it's, it's inspirational. But I find one thing very fascinating: the fact that you've been doing this for fifteen years. Now, I personally, the longest time I could ever my own company run it and still be excited about it was ten years. I just ran out of energy for it around the ten-year mark. But you know, yeah. I know I know you're running it today, so you you know you got you've probably got to say positive things. But how do you keep going? What's you know? Do you sometimes feel like giving? up have there been points where you're like this is too much how, how have you managed to push through 15 years of doing it oh gosh yeah well I think you know when you run a business it's part of your lifestyle so you know there's always ups and there's always downs you fall out of love with it you're bored of it you know you want something new but then for me there's always been something else happening and for me personally this time is very very exciting for me now um, because I've never been in this in, in this stage of business, um, so we've got very exciting times ahead, and I think you know we've got some big things ahead of us as well. But yeah, obviously, you know, I've cried in the end of my bed. I've had no money. Uh, how am I going to pay my wages? Um, you know, some days I just think I can't actually be bothered to go to work, but then. Most of the times, I'm just, you know, excited to get out of bed in the mornings and go to work. And whether, like I, I sort of often say, you know, being an entrepreneur, is it like a bit of a work addiction that we have? Because we're always, you know, what you said earlier, is you're always striving to be happy, but you're constantly wanting to change things, improve things, make things better. And in a cleaning business, I'm, I'm dealing with hundreds of people and every contract that we win is like a buzz for me. Um, so it, it's out there, it's remote. Uh, we start, you know, we're 24-7 now running. So actually, like, that's what I love as well because we're, you know, it's like mini businesses out there and we're growing and we're making a difference to people's organisations, people's culture. But, yeah, definitely been bored, fed up, 
lonely feeling, but then, you know, you can kind of come out of it. I think it's having the right support network then around you or, you know, get, get out when it's the good times as well. You're the sole founder. So you, you, you don't have a co-founder, right? No. Yeah. So right. that, that's another one, again, just different from my own personal experience that having a co-founder has kind of kept me going. Cause when I've been down, my co-founder has been up and pulled me up and vice versa. How, how have you coped with it on your own for, for so long? I, again, I just admire you. I'm saying it with admiration. No, to be honest, I mean, yeah, obviously I've thought of, oh, what would it be like if I had another director in the business? You know, I've gone through all those stages as well. Um, I mean, for me, it's just having the right support network. Obviously, my husband really supports what I do. He's a coach, so that's really handy as well. Mm. Um, I've always had a mentor or a coach personally. Um, I've been part of mastermind groups. I've always tried to develop myself and my team and um, something I'm really really passionate about is giving you know my team like I've got two members of our team now that have been the cleaners from 10 years ago from working with us and now they're managers running you know million pound patches so that's that's kind of what I hope is my support network is key and constant learning that's what keeps me moving forward as well. There must be a very proud moments as, as well when you, you know, for example, you won Great British Entrepreneur, Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the awards that, you know, entrepreneurs and businesses can go to, I think is amazing. Um, you know, it's great PR when I had absolutely no money. I can honestly say like winning the awards and, and the PR really, really um, made our business stand out from the crowd. So it's something that we always do. We like to do it within our internal teams as well. A lot of awards and celebrating success. So, yeah. Yeah, we should be proud. I, I have a, an obsession personally with luck. I think luck played a huge role, my personal belief in success. And I'm just interested in, in your view. I, I kind of always like to ask it, you know, can you give an example when good luck has played a role in your business life or when bad luck has played a role? Right. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think I have had luck, especially when I was younger, where, you know, like you said, being under 30 you can enter Rising Star Awards, you can go into Young Entrepreneur Awards, you've got a story. Um, But also, I think, so for me, I've had a couple of, which I class as lucky moments, and being in the right place at the right time. So the first, well, the first luck moment, I think, that was when we entered the um, UK Young Entrepreneur Awards, and we won it, and we were in Claridge's in London, and I was 21. If you imagine now, you know, your daughter, when she's 21 and going to Claridge's to the ballroom and being in an award ceremony there. And I had absolutely no idea that I was going to win it. I really didn't believe in myself. I thought, bloody hell, all these proper business owners and I'm like the young one right to the back of the room. And that, that for me, I, I do look at. And I was going, I was really lucky. 
I was really lucky to be in that room because when I look back now, the connections that I made there were amazing. But also what that process did for me was it completely, you know, like the day after when uh, when when we won it, the day after we were all over like the TV um uh, the newspapers and again like that's probably a bit of luck that is just being in the right place at the right time um and probably my other one which is similar again was I had a phone call could I go like the day like, I don't know it was like tomorrow could I attend the Welsh um day for the down for down to go to Downing Street and I was thinking, oh, shit, you know, tomorrow, how am I going to get to London quick? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then in the end, I just thought, well, I'm never going to get this opportunity, probably not again. So I went there. And then when I was on the train, I saw, I, I saw some, I met somebody who owned a really large manufacturing company. And he was also going to Downing Street. And um, so, again, like now we, we do, we do the, that now we, we won the cleaning contract because of that contact um, and you just don't know you just don't know who you're going to speak to who you're going to where you're going to be invited to but also you just need to run with it and wing it a bit as well yeah I guess the, the word is hustle that gets thrown around in startup land right you got to take every opportunity but I guess there's also an element of learning to say no right sometimes you can, opportunities might that day, you, you know, you, you decided to say yes and you went to Downing Street, you met you know, a big potential client, all kind of fell into place. But there must now, I guess, in, there's also at your stage an element where you have to say no sometimes, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Getting and that balance. Really <laughs> yeah. Do, do, you, do you have that balance? Do you? I think some days I have the balance and then other days I'm like, oh my God, no, we're done. Um, <laughs> I think. I think it all. I think it all depends on what opportunity it is. But I'm, you know, I'm grateful because I've got a really good team now. And at the time, like I couldn't afford teams like what I've got now. Um, you know, I've literally grown the business with nothing, with no, um, you know, no borrowings, no investors, and it's been really tough as well. You know, I've had to, I've had to literally go very, very deep and have some grit along the way getting up at four o'clock in the morning like people people don't realize what entrepreneurs have to really truly go through behind the scenes they just see the external side so yeah it is tough and I think I think we're all control freaks when we're we're so passionate about something and I know for me personally now I'm at a point in the business where it's time to you know pivot as well we've we've gone through a bit of a pivot and it's, and it's time now to really give my team the chance for them to, you know, really push the business forward as well. But yeah, it's going to, it's going to be tough. I know it is. When, when you became a parent, did, did, did the dyna- dynamics change at all? Did, did uh, your entrepreneurial mindset in any way get changed? Um, I actually think Having children, I mean, I I went back to work too soon after uh, my first um, little one, so I learned a really hard lesson there. 
Um, and again, how important it is to have the right team in, um, the right processes, systems and things. And um, what I find with children, which are which is amazing, is actually how focused they can make you. Because if you're on a ticking, you know, if your calendar's ticking away and you've got to go and pick them up for crash or you've got to go and do something, you need to absolutely prioritise your work to get that shit done, basically. And that's what children do. Whereas before, my old 25 self, I'd be there till nine o'clock in the night, you know, watching this webinar, doing this thing, then finding something else. Where now I can't do that. I've got to come home. I've got to pick them up. I've got to, you know, go and do bath, tea, the usual parenting stuff as well, and and really focus with them. So I think having children has definitely made me work smarter, but also want want to do that as well because obviously I've got um, responsibilities. Do you think about this concept of purpose so you know what you do and how you do it but you know the purpose of the business do you do you ever think about this this concept yeah so my purpose is to change the perception of the cleaning market um that is my purpose um it's something which i have felt so when i was 18 i was really looked down upon um, why on earth do you want to be a cleaner? Why are you setting up a cleaning business? Go to university, go and do this, go and do that, you know, become a teacher, go and whatever. But so for me, I really felt that in the early days, I really needed to prove something wrong. But when I often speak to my, my cleaning teams now, I can see it sometimes with them that they go through that. So for me, it, well, there's no better time than it is now change the perception of the cleaning market because it's that critical to sanitize and clean premises and um, I want to make it a professional market um, and really change people's perceptions of how important it is to have a clean space to work in because it has such a big impact on sickness which is big money to people um, you know, gyms going around the premises as well, and it also has a bigger impact on improving culture, where employees are also a product of their own environment. So we we advise our commercial clients and prospects on ways that we can they can improve it as well as us. Um, so that's from first impressions, and we went and we do things like audits for them as well. So it's not just cleaning. But the deeper, the deeper, um, uh, you know, purpose to me is to change the perception of the cleaning market. I think it's a wonderful purpose, and I completely know what you mean. I wonder if I'd be interested from our listeners what 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 you know how they view the universe of cleaning. But I agree, people look down upon it, and it's frankly these days it's 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 a matter of life and death. Even some you know some could argue that if if surfaces aren't cleaned properly in certain environments where COVID has has entered the environment, you know, it literally could be life and death. So you know, it's such a vital element of of life uh, uh, having the service that you provide. Yet I do feel like people 
look down upon it. I know, I know what you mean. So how, how can we change? Well, I say we, how can you, how do you, how are you changing the perception of, of, of people's perception of it? Um, so there's quite a lot of things that we're doing behind the scenes. Uh, we're currently going through a brand refresh for the business because obviously it's 15 years. So I think image, I think image is important. Um, where maybe an older image in our head is what people perceive a cleaner to look like or be like. Um, I think accreditation, really making it a professional service training and having like employee heads behind the scenes we've got our own cleaning academy as well and so it's not you know it's not what people think oh anybody can be a cleaner because no they can't you have to actually be quite fit as well and there's a lot of chemical knowledge you need to understand so training for us and really upskilling our cleaners to believe in themselves as well, that they are worthy, they are good enough, is is an important part of our internal training. And then that's kind of how we put that out in the marketplace. Um, for us, like making sure that we're up to date on writing update like guides, white papers, and, and being a bit outspoken, you know, being a bit outspoken to people where... Um, you know, calling them out as well. If sometimes you know we're we're in um, a supermarket or something, and people don't even say hello and they disregard um, some staff, I think you know we've all been there when that happened. And um, but actually, sometimes just having the balls to call people out on that, um, and I'm I'm there to be that um, a spokesperson for the cleaning market because I do think it's time to really, you know, spotlight our cleaners more. Um, so there's, lot, there's, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of things that we're working on behind the scenes um, and, you know, recognising the cleaners, praising them, doing really personal things for them as well and giving them opportunities and telling your customers it as well. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating. I can I can resonate with your your mission. I I owned a creative agency for fifteen years, and uh, you know the, the designers were treated as if they were just a commodity. Like designers by tomorrow at twelve, thank you, bye. Without understanding the craft and skill and training required uh, these people to to produce what the clients would ask of them. So you know I, I can relate to your 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 point. It's um my my favorite thing is I've got a book um of all the photographs of Obama's presidency. And one of my favourite pictures in this book, I can send it to you if you haven't got it, is um, is basically him high fiving a cleaner um, in one of the buildings he visited and stopping and then talking to him. You know, like just giving that person respect. That that's that's yeah. that's a real you know a real American working there. You know, it's uh, and giving yeah. them that respect. Yeah, and I mean for us working with clients that absolutely you know, really respect their cleaning teams, mm. we can achieve so much more in their premises. And it's so important to get the clients buy-in and support because, you know, then obviously people love going to work. They love working for our, our clients as well. So that makes a big difference of us from a sales point of view, making sure that we are winning 
the right clients that fit our values as well. Makes total sense. And I, uh, I think that it's, it's, it's nice to hear a company having that value system. I think a lot of listeners out there who are thinking of starting a business, uh, building in a, 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 a process that kind of has this sort of value system in it is, is so crucial. Did, did you have this from day one or did you build up into what you're talking about now? No, I, I definitely didn't know anything about vision or values or anything like that. It kind of just all come from within me. So over so, time, yeah. it's it's evolved as part of your process of becoming a better entrepreneur, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm. What was your big break? Do you think, apart from the PR element, you know, was there was there any like moment that you felt like, well, this is this is it? Um, if I'm honest, I think I'm in it now. That's what I think. Mm. Um. So I I think we're in that moment now. We are we are now. So with us, we have to pitch alongside really large national companies, and then we're also dealing with because the cleaning market is like this, where then we're dealing with really small competition, and it's quite varied to be honest uh, from a competition point of view. So what I what I'm noticing and what our sales team and our ops teams are really noticing now is actually the opportunities that we we are having because, you know, we're leading from a front, we're pushing ourselves out there. We've actually invested in this, you know, in, in this crisis. Um, and, and I think that's given us a real opportunity and confidence that now we will go into now a national cleaning company um, and now we're having opportunities coming to us, brands coming to us that maybe before this they wouldn't have or it would have taken a year, you know, to get onto their procurement. But actually now, you know, they've, they've gone through some issues themselves and we've just got to get stuck in and help them out on the front line. And because of that, they'll they'll continue to use us, they'll remember us and they'll talk about us. And I think it's given us now opportunities to go into other cities. And that's why I'm really excited now because um we I know we're ready for that. That's our next that's our next move now. So when you say you're investing in the business, what what sort of steps for anyone out there that would like to grow? Because most of the people I speak to are, are shrinking. I'm scared to higher and scared to do anything so you know what what's your strategy for growth how are you investing in that and um, so obviously you know we've had to go through the usual you know we've, we've still got sites that are closed so we've had to furlough staff there and we're waiting obviously to find out when the sites are going to be coming up um, and open so that's kind of like half of the business there but on the other well, 60 percent of it we are doing a lot of consultancy work. We are, um, we've invested in decontamination uh, so we can go UK wide and, and we're now running 24 seven. So we now work with live COVID cleans that need to be, you know, uh, it's quite reactive. So they'll call us and we could be in Manchester, uh, we could be in Bristol within obviously a couple of hours. So that's what we're doing at the moment. And what I've also noticed is 
we we tend to specialise a lot in manufacturing and manufacturing companies have been let down by their cleaning companies. So there's been a space for us there. So we've invested also in new kits. Um, we're quite interested in uh, robotics and a bit of innovation there. And we've done quite a lot of behind the scenes improvements. Um, so we probably invested at least 45 grand over the last couple of weeks in this. Um, we've even we've even got a trailer, a new trailer now with a ride on sanitizer that's going around the UK, basically sanitizing a project into the, into manufacturing um, spaces to obviously disinfect um, the air and the surfaces. So I don't think there's many cleaning companies that have actually done that. They've done probably more the opposite, but it's, it's been worthwhile for us. Well, I guess it's uh, fortune favours the brave, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we're trying. <laughs> Did, were your f- parents entrepreneurial? So my mum was a teacher. My dad later on in his life ran his own business. He had a catering business. So I did learn um, through him of, um, you know, I suppose like my work ethic has definitely come from watching him. Um, but they they weren't necessarily, you know, they didn't, um, my, my dad didn't start his business when he was younger. He did work, first of all. So do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? Oh, right. Um, hmm. I think that's a really hard one for me. I don't I don't actually know. I don't know. I think I think there's part of me going that they can be bred. But if they're in the right environment and, you know, they're given the right opportunities. Mm. I'm not sure. Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I like asking the question of entrepreneurs, especially ones that could have gone either way. I mean, you 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 had you had an education, could have easily got a job, I'm sure. Uh, could have easily gone either way, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at my I mean, you know, I remember my mum saying to me, "Well, you've got a year, and after the year, then you know, maybe we'll have a year out, go to university, then after that." Um, and I always remember thinking, right, that's it. I'm going to work my absolute arse off this mm. year. Um, because, you know, I just, I think it was just so black sheep. And for my family, to be honest, as well. And, you know, uh, I was in obviously college and stuff. And no one else was starting up their business. So everyone, to begin with, just thought people would be crazy. It's a funny one, isn't it? I feel, I feel like there's this kind of general sentiment which is you can do that until you get a real job yeah <laughs> and even with the huge business you've built up and the amazing things you've done there's still some sort of like well you know when is this all going to be over so you can get a real job <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fascinating isn't it well look um if you, I, and i'd like to end the podcast on a, a few a few simple questions but fun really but you know if we went back to your younger self what advice would you give and out of interest how old is the younger person you're giving advice to oh god right <laughs> um i think my younger self i would say i would be i think 
I would be 15, 15, 16. And I would say to get out of your own way. Interesting. And get out of your own way and you've got it. It's okay. Just go for it. So do you mean do you mean get out of your own way as in stop self doubting kind of idea? Yeah. Yeah, because I think we all do that. And I think, you know, that's something that can definitely be taught in our schools. Um and I think if I mean typical Brits I think are like that. Um, and so for me, I've always, always, you know, practiced believing in myself, how to really push my own boundaries, hanging around with people that, that are similar as well, I think is key because there's always, you know, that what you just said earlier, oh, well, give it a year. And if you don't, well, all those doubts start going into your head as a child. And I think actually, well, what's the worst that can happen, you know? Like, I, I, like we, we teach our daughter, of, well, did you try your best? It doesn't matter, but did you try your best? As long as you try your best, then it doesn't matter. Um, and that's, that's what I would tell my, my younger self. I like it. My final question. Um, if you are a book, what chapter are you on and what's the title? I'm three quarters of the way in my book and I am pivot and thrive. Mm, I like it. Yeah. I think pivot is a good word. I think it's uh, even when you've got a successful business, which you have, um, you have to pivot based on the times we're living in, right? Yeah, definitely. We definitely see it now. A lot of people right now, right or wrong and I'm not judging anyone on this but a lot of people are stopping like deers in the headlights and not you know not not pushing forward but not pulling back either yeah I think pivot and thrive is a good bit of advice I'm going to sum up a few things that I've taken from you today and I want the listeners to 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 pick up on too I think PR is very powerful you you mentioned it earlier I think a lot of people underestimate PR and you can generate it yourself you don't need to hire a fancy firm to do it I think putting yourself out there and taking some risks. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. I want to highlight respect cleaners. It's something you've, of course, talked about and you're passionate about. We'll put a link uh, in the podcast at the bottom to your business. But I think, you know, people just understanding and respecting just how much work goes into being a cleaner and maybe just for one second take some time out to thank the cleaner that does presently perhaps take care of your home or take care of your school or take care yeah. of your office take care of your streets i like the positive vibe that you have rachel and i kind of like this now is your time vibe and i feel that you personify that but for a lot of people this would not be their time but they perceive it wrong and i like your forward momentum approach so now is your time of course we just mentioned it pivot and thrive totally agree i think that's the way people need to think right now investing might seem like counterintuitive to most right now but investing in the future I think is key and I think that's a good message from you and I like the concept I think a lot of people when they're younger and frankly people when they're older get out of your own way you know like stop blocking yourself from doing what you love and uh, just go for it so get out of your own way another 
good insight from Rachel. So Rachel, thank you so much for giving us time. I know how busy you are running your empire. Thank you so much for taking time out to share your story with us. And thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Good Luck Club podcast. We know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to and you've chosen us. We, of course, feel lucky. If you want to hear more, please go to thegoodluckpod.com or go to any of our social media pages and share with us your views, your insights and any way that we can improve what we're doing to make it a better experience for you. We wish you the best of luck.